welcome to Pop Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. And today, our topic du jour is celebrity self-help. And here to discuss this incendiary topic with us are experts in the field. Jolenta Greenberg. Say hello, Jolenta. Hi. And Kristen Meinzer. Hey. Hello. They are the hosts of the absolutely addictive podcast, By the Book, in which they read a self-help tome for every episode and actually live by that book for two whole weeks. And so the rest of us don't have to. It's an amazing (laughs) podcast. I truly recommend it. And uh, some of the books they uh, are trying out are written by celebrities. The most recent one was by the Countess Luanne Deliceps of Housewives of New York City fame. And you lived like the Countess. Oh, we did. We tried at least. Yeah. It's hard to be as glamorous as she is. (laughs) What is the full title of the book? It's Class with the Countess. How to to Live live with with Elegance and and Flair. Yeah. Is she still a Countess after she got divorced? She had to give up her title. But even if the Count, her ex-husband, does remarry, they will never be another Countess. Really? Although she gave it up to get remarried and now she's already getting divorced again after like seven months. She gave it up, but no one else can have it. So like, I think it makes her feel good. It would make me feel good. I'm so glad that you guys are here to parse this difficult topic because I don't want to be all knee jerk and bitchy about it. I don't want to be like, fuck yourself, help book celebrities. I feel like there's nuance to this subject and I want to discuss it with you guys. Hey, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Fuck a diet book. My truth is my truth. I don't want to know how Tyra Banks feels in her heart. Cara Della... Bagney. So let's start general, shall we? Yeah. What's the deal with women in self-help? I feel like oh, there man. are, like, men have down a there. problem, yeah. Yeah. and, like, maybe they'll go to a doctor. But, like, <laughs> women will go to, like, any famous person and say, like, help me fix my life. And they, it seems like the women are more likely to take life advice from someone that they've seen on TV and want to hang out with than even, like, their local medical professional. Why? Why are we like this? Well, I have a few theories on it. First, though, I do mm. want to note that historically, the first self-help books were actually written by men. Everyone from Benjamin Franklin to uh, Dale Carnegie, they were writing books about how to be successful and how to take on the world and so on. But as far as the next evolution of self-help books, I think women are drawn to them and women are writing them because we are in so many ways left out of the formal medical system. Yes. We're left out That's of my air. Oh. That's my theory too. Yeah. Like We're not taken seriously. And all of that, where it's like, if science considers your body like anomalous to the male body, what do you feel comfortable always turning to it? Like maybe you want to turn to that really cool woman named Oprah who like seems to fucking love her life. So yeah. Like, yeah. I'd rather listen to them than someone that's going to tell me like, 
what I can do with my uterus, you know? Yeah. And so many of those medical studies and so much of the science and so much of the other stuff that uh, men may go to the doctor for, women have never even been test subjects for. Yeah. Right. And think about how often we're not included in the research. And that's not, you know, that's just one thing. And then on top of that, how many times women go to the doctor and we're told, you know, you might just need to lay down. You might be under stress. And it's like, oh, actually, I just had a heart attack and my symptoms don't manifest themselves in the same way and you never took me seriously. Right. So yeah. You could see how mm-hmm. women may be drawn to help. Suzanne Summers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, wow. I'm very drawn to her just visually. Eyes. <laughs> so we've got to, I'm glad that you brought up Oprah. Mm-hmm. I feel like Oprah, to me as a consumer, is definitely living her best life. I believe her when she says she's living her best life. I have in the past subscribed to Oh the Oprah magazine. Oh, I still do. Oh yeah. And (laughs) you know, like even things like, even if I would give the secret, the side eye, like when Oprah's like, you need a gratitude journal. I'm like, Oh, I definitely do. When Oprah's like, Oh, you need to make a vision board. I'm like, Oh yeah, for sure. Oprah. Yeah. Like I definitely do. I believe that she's living her best life. I don't want to even live my best life. I want to live Oprah's best life. Yeah. Um, so I would yeah. say that she's an example of like the uppermost echelon of celebrity becomes self-help guru. Mm-hmm. And then the situation or say Snooki, who also has a self-help book, right. yes. would be the, would you say that it's so bad it's good? Yes. Oh yeah. Right? It's so yeah. bad it's good. It and is. in some ways it's also a little bit more legit when it's a reality right. star who's we have, telling us. We were us, talking about yeah, this Relatable people. Today. They're more yeah. like, Oprah is someone that I think everybody, she's made her career by being relatable. I think. Yeah, I was saying when you know like, oh, they came out of nowhere and then we're on this show, but like, whoa, their story's crazy. And like, no wonder they're so, their personality is so extreme. You learn about how the people, or you know, already know how people got where they are. So it feels more legitimate than like for me, like a Gwyneth Paltrow, like goop recommendation where I'm like, you lived in a castle your whole life, and now you're gonna like you're gonna sense wisdom from yeah. above. I have some thoughts on We're, Goop. Goop is not for us. Goop is for rich people. I get. Yeah. I find it really ridiculous that people give her so much shit because yeah. that advice is not for you, you poor person. That advice is, it, is for. She wants us to consume. I get her, her targeted but advertising. It's, it's called now. a, lu- a yeah. luxury lifestyle, yeah. so it says right there luxury. So you're not expecting her to say like practical things. You're telling her she's gonna tell you how to get. A deal on a yacht, which is yeah. right. beneficial to people with money. But she's also saying, you know, first you have to discover what your spirit animal is, and then you have to pay two thousand four hundred dollars for a spirit animal ring that she had. She's not saying you designed. have to buy the ring. No, she's saying no. you can buy these rings, but then there's you can just buy any trinket with your spirit animal. Yeah, like, I think you people know read what too your much. Spirit and... animal is, is like already. You shouldn't need <laughs> to tell you to pick one for. Your but ring. she's just offering the ring because it's a ring rich people can buy. I'm not gonna front. I know what my spirit animal yeah. is. Well, well, I don't need. I need to know. It's a bear. What kind of bear? Well. It's difficult because polar bears come to me in my dreams, but I feel about polar bears. drawn to nice. grizzly bears in waking life. Mm. So I think it depends. I think it's it's bears, but different kinds depending on my my mental state. Yeah, mm. but I don't think she was saying you have to buy this trinket. I think she was saying figure out your spirit animal, and then hey, if you have a lot of money, this is a really classy trinket. So you guys are here for Gwyneth. I'm not her target market, but if I was rich. I would read, I would be like, well, let's see what the rich people are doing that are on my level yeah. now. I just think you would Let me every, live like you. I can afford yeah. it. 
I think you have every right to also just like be as crazy as you want and broadcast it as much as you want. So yeah. like if this is how she's choosing to channel that, like I'm going to admire it from afar. It is extreme and not something I could have thought of. Like, yeah. I don't want to thing... do any of it. No, I think it's all <laughs> no. stupid. Her rent a yacht self-help affluence is bullshit to me. But it's not for you. You are not the target market. I think less than 1% of people are looking to rent And those yacht. are the people and that I are going to that. And I think less than one percent of people who read Goop are going to rent a yacht. Yeah. Like I don't like. I feel like she's making people feel bad. She well, should, those people yeah. should realize that they aren't rich and they're just having a problem. <laughs> <laughs> they're just having a problem understanding that they want a lifestyle that they aren't at yet, and they're envious. And so they're like, "What are rich people doing?" It's just like when people watch Real Housewives or something. Yeah that's outside of their level. But I do have a problem with any of her diet advice because I'm never here for any of this fasting bullshit. No. No. She loves to fast. No diet. Fuck a no fast. Diet no books. diet where That's no. where I put Jolent the line Jolent and I are both very opposed We're to diet books. Strongly no diet No, no, no diet books. Absolutely when you not. Were give, when you were giving the, the celebrity self-help intro, I was thinking like, I've never talked to my doctor about my diet ever and I have done so many fucking diet books being like this is the answer and I it literally just dawned on me in this room that I was like oh <laughs> maybe I should talk to her maybe next I time I see her <laughs> well you guys you say that you are staunchly against diet books but you did do one on mm-hmm. your show we did do one which claimed to help uh readers with mindful eating embracing and enjoying food and learning how to eat healthy through that means rather than through restriction. Mm-hmm. And we thought that that would be a good, healthy way to do a diet book. Because we knew that our listeners would want at least one diet book right. while we were doing this show. But even that one, which claimed to be very healthy and about joie de vie. I can't say that. Joie de vie. Joie de vie. Yes. Yes. Joie de vie. So it was, it was French women. French women don't get fat. Don't get fat. Yes. And... Uh, that was supposed to be the most sane of all of them. And even that, I was having a horrible, horrible time with. There's a fasting period of like three days. At the Fuck beginning. that shit. So it's it, like, I was saying <laughs> How like mindfulness appreciate aside, food and then like, eat it. it still tells you to like only drink leak wa- boiled leak water. But when it comes, I, I would say that celebrity diet books mm-hmm. are the most prevalent kind of celebrity self-help that's out there. Right. Um, would you say that women are more interested in getting the exterior of a given celebrity than they are fixing their souls. Oh, I think that really depends um, on the celebrity. For example, I don't want to know how Tyra Banks feels in her heart and what her soul is like, (laughs) but she's so pretty. I can see why people want to see how she does her makeup. I am... Uh, on the flip side of that, I know I'm never going to look like Tyra Banks. So looking at a book where she's talking about how to be beautiful, which she's see, I need like to that. see someone with like bad skin and like someone who, who who does all the contouring and looks like a different person when they come out of the room. Not Tyra Banks who looks beautiful before she's she, Tyra Banks. Yeah. yeah. What's up? What I'm still going to look the same. I'll just have eyeshadow <laughs> on, <laughs> you know? That doesn't really matter to me. But when the Kardashians are like, look, I have a different face now. And it's like, okay, yeah. what the hell did you just do to your face? How, the, how does that, yeah. how that happen? Yeah. So for those kinds of people, the Kardashians, Tyra Banks, any former model, supermodel, uh, Cameron Diaz, I put in that category. Any of them who have a book about beauty and their weight, I will not want to read that book for a number of reasons. But I can see why people would want to follow their model of, to look good but i'm you know to go back to your question emily 
Do I care about how they feel, what their philosophy is on life? No, I don't care. But there are some celebrities where I do care about that. For example, I love Dolly Parton and one of mm-hmm. her self-help books, which I own and actually keep by my bedside table, is Dream More, which is kind of an extended talk of her University of Tennessee, Knoxville commencement speech that she gave to the students. Uh-huh. And that is a self-help book where it's all about just being like Dolly, just embrace life, grab opportunities, be kind, keep toxic people out of your life, try your best, be creative, all those great things. That's somebody I care about. What yeah, she says. I am not surprised that mm-hmm. one of the most helpful books you've read is from Dolly Parton. I mean, oh, yeah, she's just absolutely an inspiration. Yeah, I so say she knows every everything she's doing, and I'm always impressed. Oh yeah, yeah. W- whether it's business, whether it's creativity, whatever it is, she just. Would great. you say that that is the best celebrity self help book that you could think of, or is there one that's even better? I would say that. That ranks very high for me. I don't know if you would call Richard Simmons' Never Give Up Stories of Hope and Inspiration. I don't know if you would call that a celebrity self-help book or if you would just call that another book that's part of his business because he's always Mm -hmm. been part of exercise and so on. But um, I love that book too. But um, But also that also has a lot to do with his character is... Yeah, it's just yeah. his personality you. You is have it magnanimous. In you and you can be anything, and the world doesn't always see your worth, but it's in you. And I, love oh, that I can just stuff. hear him saying that to oh, people. Yes. Oh, Can't you I just hear him saying that? It's and on the, uh, the opposite end of that spectrum, what would you say is like the bottom of the garbage heap of celebrity self help? Oh, there's a lot. Oh, my estimation. God. Anything by Jenny McCarthy. Please, oh, you are not a doctor. <laughs> no. Jenny McCarthy, no. you are not yeah, a doctor. I would say the most dangerous is when, when people sort of give off the air of credentials when it's yes not there. Mm-hmm. i would say like and like when it comes to medical advice or like you know like janky phds and stuff where it's just like especially a celebrity when they start like becoming an expert that in something that that's they were dangerous not yeah yeah that they have no no business being in like that's dangerous yeah People like don't tell someone you can cure lupus with like a rock. Yes. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Like, I I feel rocks have vibes, but you got to go to the actual doctor to cure a disease. Yeah. I mean, I'd put Suzanne Summers in the same category, too, dispensing mm. medical advice about hormone right. replacement or not and so on. It's like, I loved Three's Company and I used to own a thigh master, but I do not want to take advice from you about my hormones. I just... I don't know, Suzanne Summers. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a difference between saying, I did this and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And not saying, instead of saying, this will work for you too, I can guarantee it. There's a huge difference between like giving an opinion yeah. and stating your experience as a fact. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that there's actually parents in America who have not vaccinated their That's children fucking because ridiculous. of Jenny McCarthy That's is terrifying. Really And super now they're not terrifying. vaccinating their dogs. Oh, come wow. on. Wow. Because a dog with autism uh, is like. What do you, what? How can you tell? <laughs> that's aren't, really aren't, that's what I'm like, trying to say. They don't talk and like don't like hugs. You guys read that the thing about how dogs don't like hugs? Dogs no. are totally nonverbal. They don't like hugs. <laughs> they God, they're like, watch their body language when you hug it. And every time I hug my dog, he's like, oh god. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, he doesn't like the hugs. Aww. Anyway, so that was very off topic. But <laughs> not, but Jolenta, what is your what is your peak? What is your Dolly Parton? <sighs> What is your apex? I would say, like, my apex, they're all, like, all I can think of is a memoir. But, like, I feel like it helped me. But I don't know if it counts. But actually, celebrity only. 
But I actually think there's a fine line between the there celebrity memoir line. and the celebrity self-help book because mm-hmm. frequently what they are doing they is they segue from one to the other. It's about like how to be yourself by yeah. like telling the story of myself. Yes. Um, yes. My all-time favorite book of all time is Me by Katherine Hepburn, which is mm. just Ooh. a horribly written, very thick autobiography. But it's just all about, like, it's just vignettes about, she's like, this one time I was a badass. Like, this other time I bought my own contract and was a badass. Like, <laughs> as, a, as, like, a tween, I, it, like, I emulated everything from So you book. can take a memoir and turn it into a self Yeah, I say, I feel like that's the only one that's, the only celebrity written book that's made, like, a huge impact on my life. What was the craziest one you guys followed? Oh, the craziest. Oh, past lives, future healing. Oh, you're right. That is the craziest. Right? Yeah, that is like, that's <laughs> literally Brown. crazy. Who yeah. wrote that? Sylvia Brown. Oh, She's right. She's one of those like 80s psychics. My grandma had that book. I remember seeing it on her shelf. Oh, yeah. She was a best-selling author. She's oh, so, huge. I mean, all the books on our show are best-selling books, but this one, you know, these books sold like crazy. She was on Montel Williams all the time. She had a whole business, and now her kids. She's no longer with us. Well, she is in this room, probably with us somehow. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, yeah. But she doesn't exist on this plane. Yeah. Exactly. No. Exactly. She's on the other side. It hovers three feet above ours, and we're all thirty on the other side. Is yes. that really a thing in the book? Yes. 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 So we're what all did 30. you? What did you guys have to do to you, follow? There's like a sort of hypnosis script in the book and you need a recording of it so you can either record yourself saying it like a loved one like someone with just a really good voice uh so you record it and then you play it in different sections and you do these like you try to meditate to it the point of it is you go into past lives and you find like moments of impact where you like got a fatal injury and usually where that injury is is where you'll have like a chronic ailment now but once you like process that past memory the pain or the sickness you hold in your body will be released and like you won't have chronic back pain because so it's like your body's haunted by a ghost yes it's like your body is haunted haunted by past trauma from all of your past lives and now you usually know that instead of of exercising you you exercise it Ah. well another past life warrior is shirley mclean yeah and she also straddles the line between memoir and self-help 17 times and counting i believe that's how many books she's written that are in really? between self-help and memoir. Her, one of How many memoirs can one title, write? Which is Saging While Aging. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I haven't read it, but I was like, this title alone is so good. Out on a Limb, she wrote oh. in 1983. And yeah. that was the one where she dropped major truth bombs about... I would say the big three were that she's lived many, many lives... And like she needs to, she refers to those many lives to heal her current life. That's how she can write so many novels. They're not novels; no. they're memoirs. <laughs> I mean, so many memoirs because she's writing about all right, the lives. many lives. She's um, wrote about astral projection and have, being able to leave her body and like go all over right. the every place. And uh, aliens, how aliens are among us and visiting us and. That book was a huge deal. I remember she was like on Barbara Walter. She was just talking about that book all the time. And people were like, you are destroying your A-list career. And she's like, my truth is my truth. And it did not destroy her Mm -hmm. A-list career. And she wrote 16 more. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think I love her. I haven't read any of her books. So what is the difference between someone who's like Shirley MacLaine, who like I... Love her. I love that she says all that stuff. I would mm-hmm. read that for fun and enjoyment. 
And then someone like Jenny McCarthy, who makes me furious, or even Gwyneth Paltrow, who makes me right. so furious. I think it's the difference between I'm going to speak my truth and I'm going to tell you the truth. Right? Yeah. It's a I feel like exactly. Shirley MacLaine is trying to tell you this oh, is really? how it is. And this is my experience. Like, this is how it is for me. And this is why. I think just the fact that she cites her own experience as opposed to, like, her experience as a clinician guiding other people through it and curing their cancer. Like, they're, to me, that's two very two different, different things. things. Right. Saying, yeah. like, I'm better than a doctor and if you don't do this, you're stupid. Also, like, call my hotline. Mm. And, like, I'll probably suck you dry with my lies. Or, like, I'm a kooky actor. This is my truth. These are my experiences with it. Like, I think it's the truth, you guys. It's, to me, yeah, it's very different. She's not saying I'm an expert. She's not saying, like, I do this with people for a living. This will cure cancer. Yeah, but also on top of that, what is the harm societally if a lot of people believe they see aliens? Exactly. It's very different mm-hmm. than what is the harm if people stop vaccinating their children. Right. Yeah. Yes. Jenny or McCarthy. Don't treat their cancer. Yes. Or... Right. Yes. And those things are a much bigger deal and have much larger implications beyond just a person sitting in their bedroom talking to an alien. If you want to sit in your bedroom and talk to an alien, that's totally fine with me. Do that. If that makes you feel good. Exactly. But... Are you just making up that example or is that really what she says? Um, I don't know how she talks to the aliens. Okay. I, I was just I, it's been getting a, a, a it's been ages it since I have read excerpts of that book, but I remember she was for years after that first one. She was interviewed about it all the time. Right. She definitely communicated with the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And then, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of her past lives, she was famous. Also, super famous. And I always thought, like, how and is it so possible that you're all the famous people? You can't be all. You can't be Cleopatra. She's that and, talented. And Jonah talented at every <laughs> life. <laughs> Shirley MacLaine. I don't think the talent loses you. Mm-mm. She it has is a you. gift in every yeah. life. <laughs> gift of being famous. But I, I want to return for a moment to the idea that so many self-help books, especially by celebrities, they start out as memoir and segue into self-help. It makes me think about something that I heard Roxanne Gay say at a, at an event where she, she, people were talking about women writing memoir and how so popular. And she was saying it's because whatever it is that women want to write, publishing houses want them to write memoir because women are only taken seriously as experts on themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think that's very true. Totally. And it makes me wonder, like, are there all of these thousands of books by celebrities that are about well here's my story and here's what I eat and here's what I do at the gym specifically these books written by famous women because they aren't trusted to speak more broadly than that I think that's part of it but I also think with celebrities in particular we do want to know all those things about them we want to know about the minutiae of their day-to-day life what is it like to wake up every day and be Tina Fey or what is it like to um, go out at night and be Aziz Ansari. And to hear the day-to-day of their lives is interesting. Also, celebrities, I worry their scope is limited as a reader, where it's like, I'll read how you keep a banging body, Tyra Banks, because your job is to keep a banging body. What is that like? Like, that's insane. But if Tyra Banks is like, here's my self-help book on, like, how to be, you know, 
a local congressman. I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why? I don't know. This is a very weird example. But I'm just saying, like, I also feel like we don't, they don't have a huge range. But what about the women who weren't in that classic celebrity love health fitness beauty box? Like, I feel like there's, like, Sophia Amoroso wrote Girl Boss. Mm-hmm. And she was famous for being nasty gal. And then she, like, wrote a businesswoman book. And the irony of that. Suze Orman. Being that she failed. Oh, I love Susie Orman. Susie. Su- then you have Susie Orman. And... I'm not sure I know who Susie Orman is. She's the... Um, the celebrity stuff, financial right? guru. The celebrity yeah. financial guru. Who, oh. uh, Kristen Wiig used to impersonate yeah. on Saturday yeah. Night. And oh, she was okay. one of Oprah's protégés. Oh, right. well, then I'll believe her. But <laughs> I feel like those two women are when they got famous, were relentlessly mocked. That was my impression of mm-hmm. them in pop culture, that they are women who are asserting themselves in business and yeah. in finance. And people, both men and women, were tearing them to shreds. I and think the girl boss writer lady deserved to be mocked because she failed. Her company went bankrupt and she didn't pay anybody. Yeah. And, and then when she left the company, everything went to shit. So she wrote a book about something that she ended up being terrible at. Yeah. So I think she deserved to be dragged. Yeah. As far as Susie Orman, I, I mean, maybe I just blocked it out, but I only remember oh, Sunshine and Flowers no, around her because she's perfect and scoops. I love her. I feel that I love uh, Martha Stewart gets us too. I'm a huge Martha Stewart. Oh, I love, I love Martha Stewart. I would say like we love hate her. women who especially like, not that Susie Orman is unconventionally beautiful, but like. If you're not a pretty girl, like, playing, you know, pretend on the TV or, like, flipping tables on the TV, like, what do we do with you? We, we, we're scared. We don't like it. We don't like when women are experts in male fields. Like, they're not as credible and just, you know. But Oprah bucks all of those rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oprah's like, perfect. Yeah. Is it just because Oprah's perfect? Is it because she's an alien from space communicating with Shirley MacLaine? Like, why does Oprah get away with what nobody else does because i think she's relatable i think everybody we grew up with oprah we can relate to oprah she came out of nowhere she was just like newscaster she's had struggles with her weight she's not conventionally gorgeous she's got a best friend that rides by her side like all she of this cries, she is engaged she's emotional she's married she has and that's why I like Martha, every because Martha she masters that she takes on. Yeah. Martha opened up. She's hilarious. She gets along with the Snoop Dogg cooking show. I adore. She got dragged through the mud and came out banging on top again. Martha is arguably more popular post-prison. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Than before. Like, suddenly we can hang with Martha. Right, because she before. dropped down to our level. Well, right. I, I would always hang humility. with Martha, though. Yeah. Good. I loved Martha. I, I did, too. I always Same. hang with Martha. I always thought Martha was very similar to Madonna in a way, though. She was taking something that was conventionally gendered toward women, whether it's sexuality or homemaking, and she was turning it on its ear and turning it into a multi-billion dollar business. Yeah, exactly. And saying, I am not afraid of this thing that I get put in a box with I'm actually going to own it and I'm going to fucking kill all of you with yeah it. I'm OCD and, and I'm going to crush this yes snack and folding game right and now she just owned it like Madonna and I loved how Martha did that and I think that she got punished for it that's mm-hmm. why she got to go to jail totally. when no dudes did for doing the same exactly thing on a much bigger level yes. way bigger scale yeah. so much bigger and she got punished for it and then because she got punished I think people embraced her all the more because they saw what was happening and they said, we love you. Thank you for falling on your sword. 
now come back and let's watch you and Snoop make some dinner. Yeah. Do you think as feminists that self-help books are bad for feminists? Oh, I don't like anything categorically being called bad or good for feminists. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big... That's that's a, I think about this question one. a lot because I feel like the more I read self-help, the more I lean towards like, maybe it's just all bad. <laughs> like, maybe it's just all really bad for you because now not only do I have my own insane rules floating around in my head, but also like so many other insane rules that other people wrote like floating around in my head. But I also think... I like that it is a community women can turn to that is just, you know, super safe, super welcoming, super embracing of flaws in a way that, you know, doesn't happen when, like, I go to the doctors in this day and age even. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and it really depends on the kind of self-help. Right. As far I, as I if it's good say. or bad for feminists. Yeah, spiritual Some, enrichment, gratitude list, like that. That is that's fine. good for a businessman, a feminist, like Donald Trump, whoever. Yeah. I think it depends on the reader, what they take. Like you can read a, a book that, like you could read Goop, and you could take some things from it, like her spiritual healing things or like her meditation things, and then be like, "But I'm not going to believe that this other thing works for me." Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd also argue that some things that seem anti-feminist on the surface can still be really good fun, like. Confessions of an Heiress by Paris Hilton. That was my coffee table book for years because it's just funny and she seemed mm. to be in on the joke. And yeah. She had advice like never wear the same outfit twice. Things like that. It's just like, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. It's so fun. And in her own way, I see Paris Hilton as a feminist mogul who knows how to own her own image. And she's, yeah, she's running the game. She's very problematic, but she's in on the joke. She knows what she's doing. And I, I can see where some people would say bad for feminism, but also just maybe really good fun. And then there are other people who are obviously much better for feminism, like Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. She's telling you it's okay to be a 22-year-old virgin. It's okay to be the biggest dork. It's okay to uh, not be conventionally pretty. It's okay to be a lot of things, and it's okay to be loud, and it's okay to say what you want to. In fact, you should say what you want in life. And obviously that's a much better version of feminism. Right. You know, I think about it in terms of Bust. The when Debbie Stoller and Lori Hensel created Bust, they were trying to they were trying to create an antidote to women's magazine culture that was always telling women what to do. That was always prescribing rules to women. This is how you need to dress, this is what kind of makeup you need to buy, this is how you need to please your man, this is what your body needs to look like. These are like all the hundreds of ways that you need to fix yourself. And uh, Debbie Stoller, who has a PhD in the psychology of women, was studying how this was really super harmful to to women who were regular consumers of women's magazines. And she wanted to create Bust as something that would make you feel good to read it instead of feeling like you were broken and you had this right. long, long list of things um, that needed to be fixed. She wanted it to be pure pleasure for women. And so on one hand, I'm like, the I feel like celebrity self-help books are an extension of that broader women's Mm -hmm. magazine culture of long, long lists of rules and things that you need to do to, to fix yourself, to make yourself better. Um, on the other hand, bust is really concerned with what gives our readers pleasure. 
We want to round up all the things that women like that, that, that make them feel relaxed and happy and indulged in some way and give it to them. And there's, you know, there's definitely an element of pleasure that women take from being able to buy a book, buy their favorite celebrity and feel like they're, like they can imagine what it's like to hang out with that person by Mm -hmm. reading their self-help book, because it's not only like they're reading the memoir part, but it's also like, you can imagine that that celebrity that you like so much is giving advice just to you. You get this, this vicarious sense of hanging out and being advised by your favorite TV person. I understand how that's pleasurable. So I, I wasn't even asking that question with an answer already in mind. I feel like it's a real conflict. And then I think that there's the added dimension when you get to the diet, fitness, exercise books, then, um, I feel like there's a real potential for women getting triggered for eating disorders to run rampant. But I don't know where as a feminist, I personally should draw the line when it comes to either the consumption of self-help or the endorsement of self-help. I think it depends on the type of self-help. Like I'll never support fasting, dieting books, things like that. Go to a dietitian to talk about whatever health problem you're having. Get professional advice. Anything where it's a health concern, like cancer, a disease that you're dealing with, um, STDs, anything like that, you should talk to an actual doctor. Don't take advice from a, a book. But anything where it's fluffy things like Paris Hilton, like I see no danger in, in reading books like that, where it's just like, this is a, this is how this one person lives his life. It may be not practical and you may feel bad about not being able to meet the standards of it. But anything where it's not physically harmful, I think is fine. Fair but enough. fuck a diet book. <laughs> <laughs> is there, are there any books that are so crucial to the genre, the genre that we haven't discussed yet that you guys want to bring up as experts? Well, I would just like to recommend one book that I've read in the last year that may or may not fall into the category of celebrity. I consider Lindy West a celebrity. I'm not yeah. sure yeah. anyone else does. I do. <laughs> I love Shrill. I love Shrill too. I thought Shrill was fantastic. And I just wanted every woman in the world to read Shrill. I love how she celebrates who she is and how empowering it is. I just felt kick ass and beautiful and amazing every page that I read that book. And she's so smart. I just love Shrill. Right on. I remember as like a tween, I really liked the graphic design in Tyra's Beauty Inside and Out. I remember like the layout was cool, but it's a bad book. But like if you want to like visually look at something nice, I recommend it. And I think it's up there in like celebrity self-help beauty books with the way the book is put together. Well, before we let you guys go, we ask all of our guests the perennial question. What you watching? What you watching? Let's start with Kristen. Kristen, what is it that you are watching? So coming back from New Zealand, where my husband is from, I ended up watching two movies that I just absolutely loved. And I laughed so hard that the people in the other seats, like several rows away, were looking back and giving me the stink eye. One of the movies I absolutely adored was Why Him, starring Brian Cranston and... 
uh, Megan Mullally oh, and oh. James Franco, and what? it's a Christmas movie. And of course <laughs> so it is. Good. Yes, Jolly just saying, of course it is, because she knows I'm a Christmas nut. I'm obsessed. Oh. With Christmas. <laughs> I love Christmas, but it is so entertaining. It's so over the top. It's a hilarious comedy about Brian Cranston and his wife, played by Megan Mullally. I love their, her. Their yeah. daughter. Uh, decides that she wants to get married to this guy who's a little bit eccentric. I remember this. I think it was out about a year ago, actually. Yeah. And it is Franco plays a bad boy that the dad gets along with. And I laughed and laughed and laughed my head off. And the other movie that I laughed so hard that people on the plane turned around and gave me the stink eye repeatedly was Snatched by... um, with uh, Goldie Hawn and oh, oh yeah, Amy and Amy, Amy Schumer. Schumer movie. So those are the two movies that got me the most stink eye on the that plane. Terrible review. Yeah, really I've only heard like, bad things about then, it. But I saw some people post about it. and They were like, movie. "This movie is really hilarious." But it's a great plane movie. You know, plane movies don't have to be great movies. Mm. No, yeah. no, plane movies just have to like keep you completely satisfied and zen while you're on a plane for 13 hours. Jolenta? Uh, I just today watched uh, episode one of American Horror Story. Uh, I can't Cole. wait to get there. I can't there. wait. Uh, the title of the episode is Election Night. Ah! Um, it's just, it's like everything I've been needing personally for like an election sort of, well, not wrap up, but like postmortem. Yeah. You know, it's just like. It starts with just news footage of the election. I'm not going to give a lot away. Is That's it cathartic? It. That's all I need it's to It's really cathartic. And just watching people. It's not like, a too soon. Watching a lot of like really soon. campy performances of like actors like freaking out both good and bad hearing the news. It's just, it's just like, it's better than those conversations you keep having with your friends. Just like watch it quietly by yourself and be like, this feels good. Like <laughs> this will redeem the worst night of my life so far. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. that. Awesome. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Well, thank you guys so much for thank stopping you. by. Thank you so much for having yeah, us. This was so you. fun. Your podcast, again, is by the book. It is essential. It is so good. And uh, again, Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg, hosts of By the Book, find them online, listen to them. They are are a delight. You're a delight. <laughs> Thank you. You guys are delightful. Yeah, no, seriously. We love Thanks. talking with so you guys. Nice. Thank you. I respect that you do that for two weeks. That's. I just have to watch TV. This is crazy, crazy shit. If you want to swap lives, yeah, at some wait, point. yeah, yeah. Right, guys, let's swap lives. Let's try to swap lives. <laughs> swap lives. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thank, Thank you. This episode of Pop-Tarts was produced in the Listening Booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. I'm Terrence Mickey, the creator and host of Memory Motel, a podcast that finds the drama and what we desperately want to remember or would rather forget. In season one, I explored such light topics as the different ways we remember the dead. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. I'm a big procrastinator, but I'm going to die at some point, so I just want to be prepared. 
And to get to the bottom of Stockholm Syndrome, I returned to the bank robbery where the first person was diagnosed with it. I always felt that I did something wrong. After almost 50 years, I felt, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I did what I had to do. And I'm kind of feeling proud of myself. And I followed a message in a bottle. He starts talking to me about a bottle with a message in it. And he says, Turks and Caicos. I'm like, and I'm, you know, I'm real expressive. You can't see me, but like I make a lot of faces. And I look at my cousin and I real quizzically and I go, I don't know what this guy's talking about. So I says, hold on a second. I put the phone down. I'm like, what, what? And I go back on the phone. I go, okay, excuse me. What's a Turks and Caicos? I had no idea. To see where your memories take me next, please subscribe to Memory Motel wherever you listen to your podcasts. And to share your memories, please reach out to me directly on Twitter at Terrence underscore Mickey or at Memory Motel. For updates on season two, visit our website, memorymotel.audio. And we're back. Hello. Hooray for Kristen and Jolenta. They're amazing. That is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. They live by the books. We don't have to. I, I don't think I'd be up for it. I'd be like, <laughs> I am too lazy a full this. In general, you guys were all more complimentary of the self-help genre than I was prepared for. I was like, well, all right. That's what I was like. <laughs> well, all right. So, Callie, yes. tell me, what you watching? What am I watching? Well... Uh, finished Game of Thrones. Ba, 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 ba. Holy shit! You, I know, I know, are not up on it, but um, there, I wanted more death, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was death, but it took so long for people to die that I almost forgot it was the final finale, and I was like, "What is this filler episode?" Uh, we saw Jon Snow's butt, which gets an A plus, and then I also saw this spoof of um. You don't watch Always Sunny, do you? I have watched it because my boyfriend Logan likes it, but I find it very difficult to watch. They're too mean. I love how mean they are. But there's there's this song, this play, actually, that Dan DeVito's character writes that's like, oh, no, it's actually, uh, I forget which character does it. But it's like, Damon, wah, master of the night, man, wah. And it's like this really, like this play that he writes. There's a part where Danny DeVito is like, Sings a part about being a troll, trying to get into the boy's soul, but it keeps saying, sounding like he's saying boy's hole. And that's like the whole spoof. It's hilarious. But they did a a, a spoof of that, of, of Charlie singing Dayman with the Night King versus um, uh, what's his face with the hot butt, Jon Snow. And so Jon Snow is the Dayman and the Night King is the Nightman. I watched it like three times in a row and laughed every time. So there was that. I walked in on my roommates. This was like my roommates, my husband, and a couple random people, all dudes that were watching striptease. Oh, is that Demi Moore? Oh, no, not striptease. Uh, What's the one with what's her face from 
Say by the bell. Showgirls. Showgirls. They were watching Showgirls. And they were all very confused. And they were like, have you seen this movie before, Callie? It's crazy. It's Versace, baby. Yeah. And I was like, uh, what was her? Immediately, I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, Saved by the Bell girl. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley. And they were like, that's the girl from Saved by the Bell. And I was like, how did you not even realize that? They were like halfway through the movie. And they were like, what is this pool sex? They had so many questions. That is possibly the worst sex scene in that movie. That pool sex scene is like the worst sex scene I've ever seen in a movie probably including the room watching people's faces watching that for the first time was hilarious i'd seen it so many times i was like i don't need to watch this but just watching people be like what yeah i own that naomi (laughs) (laughs) nomi malone nomi malone yeah oh god that was amazing um i've been watching disjointed with kathy bates can we talk about disjointed i watched one episode and it was the absolute worst thing in the entire world do i need to watch more than one or can i just be done with it all right the laugh track is ridiculous what the fuck and it what the writing was like so like kitschy the jokes were like so expected it was so corny but later on this two characters come in that i just want them to have their own show and um the characters are Dank and Dabby, and they play these YouTube stars that smoke a lot of weed. The woman that plays Dabby, Betsy Sodaro, makes the fucking funniest faces. She's like, her physical comedy was killing me. So I just kept rewatching their parts because uh, Chris Reed is Dank, and he just like thinks that he can rhyme everything, and he thinks he's like so witty. And she goes along with everything and they're just like two super stoner cliches, but their body language and the way they feed off each other, it could be like a Saturday Night Live sketch as as its own. Uh So if it was just those two, I'd be there for it. Also, there's like the security guard. Yeah. And they find out later that he has, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh... PTSD. Yeah, PTSD. That was in the first episode. Well, and later, did they show where he gets he sees everything in cartoons? Yeah, and like animated. Uh huh. I like the way that they they dealt with the PTSD like very respectful, and I know some people with PTSD, and I, like the way he's like zones out and then comes in. Sometimes he's totally fine, and sometimes he's like can't even function. So I liked that, like a very real description of PTSD. That was nice to see. Yeah. How many episodes did you watch of Disjointed? We watched them all because we were high as fuck. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe I because I don't smoke weed, no, I can't watch it. I don't think any amount of high will make it great. <laughs> but I mean, we were just like eating pizza and watching it. And then we were watching it for the Dink and Dabbies once they came. I would never tell anybody watch the show. It's great. But I would say Google clips of Dink and Dabby if you smoke a lot of weed. Fair enough. Um, I watched Death Note. I also watched Death Note. Ding, 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 ding. My cousin, Jared, from Sunset Park was like, yo, you got to watch Death Note. And I did. I mean, I love the concept, but it's so fucked up that they didn't cast an Asian guy in that role. What the fuck? The lead is supposed to be Asian? Yes. (gasps) Really? Light Turner is supposed to be Asian? Yes. Come on, son. Right? So that kind of ruined the whole thing for most people that are fans of Death Note. I knew that it was a comic, but I didn't know anything about the comic. Yeah, so that's kind of like, fuck you. But I didn't hate it. And how much did the evil demon look like a porcupine? 
I love the evil demon and his little spiky head. Yeah, he was just like a creepy porcupine guy. And that he was Willem Dafoe. <laughs> oh, I never put that together. Willem Dafoe was the demon, and I love that. But I am pissed off that they whitewashed the shit out of that. It was kind of like Donnie Darko, but not as good. Yeah. Um, I'm watching this weird News 12 in Westchester. Has a week-long series on the witches in the Hudson Valley called Speak No Evil. It's pretty cheesy. Um, I wouldn't say that they are like the hipster witches. They're like mountain ladies and they like do a lot of the whole singing chant. It's a much more traditional type of witchcraft than I do. It's always interesting to see how other people practice. Uh huh. But they try to make it seem like, ooh, the secrets of going to a ritual where you know you can just like sign up online and then go to a ritual and you can square. It's not like cast. You know, like they're not so secret anymore. So I feel like the news didn't really Google that you can just join a coven now. But anyway, I'm still there for it. <laughs> Um, I've been watching, uh, listening to, uh, K dash, who is this transgender rapper from the Bronx and, um, her new track is fire. There's a part where she's just like rocking rainbow. Like that shit was designer. I really like her. So she just had a new track come out. And then my boy spooky black who has the voice of a baby angel. Um, he's changed his name to Corbin and he came out with a new album called mourn just yesterday it's a little bit slower than the old spooky black um by the way if you don't know who spooky black is his old he's he's moved on from this look but it was monocolored turtleneck pants in creams or blacks with a (laughs) a gold cross necklace and then a matching (laughs) do-rag but he's a white guy so i think he was like i should probably stop with the do-rag this is 2017 and now i will be corbin but his voice is a gift from the from the gods. He has, he, he has forsaken the do rag. Yeah, but his voice is still like he's just he's coming for my soul with it. So that's what I in I'm a good doing. way. Oh yeah, he's, <laughs> I loved it. Callie, I want to tell you what I've been watching. Lay it on me. Have you are you caught up with Insecure? No, I kind of got bored. Okay, well I need to run this scenario by you then. Not this past episode that I just watched, but the one before that. Basically, Issa and her pals go to like a Babeland type situation where it was like a party and there were sex toys and there was like a seminar on how to give head. And they were being like, oh, black girls don't give head. And they were like, well, maybe you should. And I was like, that's interesting because I always heard as a Jewish woman that Jewish women don't give head. And that's not true either. Who's spreading these rumors that people don't give? I mean, really, I find it tedious. So this white girl doesn't really give head. But, you know, sometimes I will because, you know, how do I get eaten out if I'm not going to? You know, it's all about being reciprocal and whatnot. Right. But in the show, I don't know about Issa Rae's actual business. But in the show, the character Issa, you know, wasn't really a head giver. And then she, like, took a little seminar and then she went down on that dude, Daniel. Remember Daniel, the side piece? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's going down on Daniel, and it's going well. And then he comes in her eye. Oh, that's happened to me before. And it burns like a motherfucker. Furious. Yeah, it's she's like salt so, water in your eyeball. She's so furious. 
and she like yells at him and she puts all her clothes on and she storms out into the night. She's so mad and she won't return his calls. And I was so confused. Like if a dude's just jizzing, like if you're down there in the spot. Yeah. You can control where it goes. Like, you know that it's about to, there's about to be a sensual eruption. I mean, I guess because she was like. So into the zone. Well, I guess like uh, the character is supposed to be like an oral newbie or whatever that something like that could happen. But for her to blame him for where it's going. Yeah, no. I don't understand why she's so mad. That makes no sense. It's happened. It feels like you're putting salt on a slug. <laughs> like your eye feels like it's just like sizzling up inside your body. I feel bad for her for getting it in her eye, but I don't think it was disrespectful. It was just I don't a think sex it's disrespectful accident. at all. That, that's like getting mad when you're trying to get it up the butt and someone puts a little poop on it. That shit so, just happens. Hey, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Yeah. Definitely the highlight of my pop culture week was the two hour finale of Twin Peaks. I'm so sad it's over. The ending was so good. I felt so many feelings. I felt terror. I felt angst. I felt wistful. How's the only character I care about that? The talking tree with the light bulb on it. It came back. Chewing gum. Okay. He's the only thing. That's the only thing I care about. It said, I am the arm. And it came back. And it was in the Black Lodge. And it helped Agent Cooper to find uh, Laura Palmer. And he tried everything on this plane and the next to save Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer cannot be saved. Isn't she dead anyway? She's unsavable. But he is going through the Black Lodge, the place where everything is possible. And so really, the when you're talking about Twin Peaks, the return, it was a return for all of us getting to see all those characters again, but narratively it was really a hero's journey of agent cooper returning to twin peaks that took the entire 18 hours oh you know i had forgotten about this but a coops was in um that showgirls in showgirls he yeah. is he, one half of the worst sex scene of yeah, all time he is in the fucking pool sex scene. kyle mclaughlin that was a bad scene <laughs> that was ridiculous also so, you should not have sex in a pool that's how you get a ud Twin Peaks, I miss you. I love you. You're the best. R.I.P. Or not. Don't rest in peace. Come back as a zombie and, and do more. Do you think there'll be a, that he could do another Twin Peaks after this? I don't think he would, no. Which is part of why it's so poignant. Ah! Don't go! I love you! <laughs> All right. I'm over it. But am I? Yes. No. I still yes. think I need to see it with like a pop-up videos where people are pop this is the person from that i need like a someone you don't need to like, pop a video you need me yeah you need me on the couch next to you like how i won't let anybody watch the room by themselves i make them watch the room with me so that's they can right. get my commentary i watched the room with you it's the only way to do it i was a better woman for it <laughs> i want to talk to you in depth about the showtime documentary whitney can i be me i haven't seen it yet callie you need to see it well, it's obviously. so crucial I feel like more than anything ever before, it has really clarified the fact that Whitney Houston was bisexual, that her no doubt in my mind. life partner, Robin Crawford, who was with her, they met in 1979 as Whoa. teenagers. And shortly afterward, they moved in together and they lived together from 1979 
1999. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yes. Even after Whitney Houston married Bobby Brown, they still lived together. I love Until it. it was just untenable between Robin and Bobby. But like everyone, they interviewed so many people, you know, including her family members, including members of her entourage, members of her security, hair people, makeup people. You know, nobody would come right out and say they were together, but they said almost that in every possible way that you could. And but when they people could just be besties like like Gail and, and I know Oprah. like Gail and Oprah, but this was more so where people were saying I they people were asking them, was Whitney gay? And members of her entourage said she was bi. And they were they were saying that they were together. But not only were they together, Robin was really managing Whitney. Like she, Whitney started doing drugs young as a teenager, but all the whole time from 79 to 99, Robin Crawford was the one who was keeping her sort of, you know, on this side of the great divide. Yeah. She was managing her behavior. She was managing her consumption. She was keeping pe- bad people away from her. She was managing her schedule. She was. Well, maybe that's why they live together because. Personal assistant in every possible way. But she really cared about Whitney in terms of like keeping her healthy and keeping her alive. Even, you know, despite the fact that she had these habits. And then. Whitney's habits got totally untenable and out of control once Robin left in 1999. She left during, while Whitney was on tour in 1999. And by the end of that tour, Whitney's security guard sent the whole family a memo saying like, this person needs to be in rehab right away. Like she cannot handle the amount of drugs that she's doing. She like the, she doesn't have regular schedules. She's like completely exhausted. She's using a lot of drugs and she needs to be in rehab. And as a result, he was, the security guard was fired. Fuck that. And that report came out after Robin left. And, you know, when the whole thing came to its sad, inevitable conclusion, Bobby Brown was quoted as saying, if Robin was still in her life, she would probably still be alive. So even Bobby admits it. Well, that doesn't mean that they were necessarily lovers. That just means that Whitney was a dependent person and... Robin was a person that was controlling and that works together. That, but that could it was just also, be any best friend dichotomy. They were lovers, but maybe <laughs> not the whole time. Ultimately, the people who knew her best knew that Robin was actually like keeping her together. So her family would rather she spiral out in drugs than be gay. Or they thought that her, Robin was taking too much control over and maybe Robin wasn't giving them enough money. If Robin was managing, you never know like what the family was greedy for and it could have less to do with the gayness and more to do with like Robin is keeping Whitney from doing what we want Whitney to do so let's get her out of the scene so we can do what we want yeah that was an extra added very sad part of the documentary is towards the very very end of Whitney's life her father sued her for a hundred million dollars and it was sort of like the last straw that really like broke her spirit it's hard not to imagine what uh, but if you're moving Whitney's people life away, would have been life like if she and Robin could have been out, or if they listened to the bodyguard. Well, I like that you're just keep insisting that they were together when it's possible they were not. But 
You shouldn't control people's relationships as parents. And if somebody comes to you and says your daughter's in trouble, you should. You should listen to them. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Watch it and then come back to me and you tell me if Robin and Whitney were together. I'm not going to say that they weren't, but I think that it's rude to just assume that people are gay instead of that they have a, a friendship that is beyond most people's normal friendships. I want to tell you about this show that is on a brand new platform called Facebook Watch. Have you watched anything no. on Facebook Watch? What is this? So the next time that you're on the Book of Face, go over to the left and there's like a little sort of like sc- screen icon. And it's for Watch, which is a streaming media channel that comes through Facebook. And they have original programming. Oh. They, have, they also have things that aired elsewhere. Like loosely exactly Nicole with Nicole Byer, which I really liked. I never saw that. I don't you even know. You can now who she watch is. it on Facebook Watch. She's an awesome comedian who had oh. a very brief show of her own. So there's like shows from around the internet on it, but they also have their own show. Um, it's called Strangers. And I really, really like it. I thought it was charming. It uh, was created and directed by and written by a woman named Mia Ladovsky. And. Um, the cast is, it stars these two young women, Zoe Chow and Meredith Hagner, who, are, who play best friends. It's got sort of a broad city meets high maintenance vibe. Into this. And the premise of the show is that uh, Isabel, who's played by Zoe Chow, um, is going through like an early in her 20s crisis where she was living with her boyfriend, but then she cheated on him with a woman and she's sort of exploring her own bisexuality. But because she she and her boyfriend broke up, she like Airbnbs their home so she can afford to pay rent while she's figuring her life out. Uh-huh. So every episode, in the same way that High Maintenance was like, you see him going to like the different customers and mm-hmm. it becomes about the different custies. Like... In this one, it's about the different people that rent the bedroom in her house. Fascinating. And there's so there's like so many good guest stars on it. Like Jemima Kirk is on it and Jemaine Clement is on it. Love you this. never know like who's gonna stop by and be the guest in the house. And it's got that sweet California vibe. And I'm the, feeling this. And the friends are really cool and charming, and I love the show. I'm into this. I'm going to check that out. So check it out. It's called Strangers, and it's on Facebook Watch. And the last thing I wanted to tell you is that St. Vincent just dropped a new single. It's called Los Ageless, and it is super cool and electro, and I like it. And it's slinky and exciting. Slinky. In Los Ageless, the women never comes. In Los Ageless, the mothers milk their young. Her new album's coming out in October, but... The single. Is I've never dabbled now. in the Saint Vincent. Saint I don't Vincent know how that's possible because I work at Bust, but is so lovable. What kind of music is it? Well, you know, it really depends. She's she's a versatile artiste, and this this new music is is has got some electro action on it. But it's like sexy lady rock. Oh, I'm into that. I I like it. I mean, I know that she has a great voice, and mm-hmm. I know that she used to date someone. Carrie Brownstein yes so that's oh and also that model with the eyebrows oh Cara Delevingne how do you say her name Cara Delevingne 
Vagni. Della Vagni. Take care of Della Vagina. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But that's what I know about her. And that, Callie, is what I've been watching. Lovely. Well, this has been great. It has. And I want to really thank our producer, Rachel Withers. Yes. Are you tired of us singing Whitney to you yet? She's not tired, so we're going to do it, especially because of Whitney. Can I be me? The greatest producer of all is easy to achieve. We don't even know what we're doing anymore. We're on on different verses, but the point is is that (laughs) Rachel Withers is the greatest producer of all. So thank you. And we also want to thank our pals at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey and Carrie Ann Thomas, and of course our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. And you can email us both. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. I'm at calliew at bust.com. To find out more about us, visit bust.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Like, we don't have a Robin Crawford to go to each and every one of your houses (laughs) and show you how to use your iPhone and show you how to get to the review section. If we did... Believe me, she would be there in two shakes of a lamb's tail. <laughs> but instead, I just need to ask you, if you don't know how to rate and review, ask a friend. It'll be like an icebreaker, a conversation starter. Be like, hey, baby, you how look you nice today. How you doing? How do I rate and review this podcast on iTunes? <laughs> I believe in you. I also believe that children are our future. Teach them well. Let them leave the world. <laughs> it really helps us get the word out. We super duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mwah!